Welcome back to the Wolf of Queen Street podcast. Today on the show, Jamal Parata, a professional fighter fighter for the last 20 years that sort of through the COVID time period, wanted to find himself through self-growth and self-development and then realized that there's more to it and himself and offering the world and stepped away from professional career of 20 years and started up the, and apologize if I get this wrong, the T Kararahi. Karahi. Yeah. I want to say that wrong. Yeah. A program which means to mentor um, and trying to improve yourself, the people around you, um, the community around you. Uh, you're also a very, uh, PR local that grew up on the beach, a surfer. Your son's a professional surfer. And very close um, to what I've spoken about you in a um, good few months is works with Dave Wood with the Calm Under Pressure program, which a lot of people will know about uh, in the news a lot around the UFC boys and keeping them calm. And, and your and your world. So, uh, Jamal, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to come in and, and share a little bit about what we're doing and, and how we're going about it. Uh, yeah, um, so, sorry for the butcher of the name. Um, I know I, 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 I had to joke, each time we send a message, you always send me this amazing uh, Maori ending or beginning, and I had to go to my wife and go, he does realize I'm South African, right? I don't understand this shit. And, but it's super cool, and I, and I love it. And then I said to you the one time, like, hey, dude, like, you got send me the message, but send me the English conversion so then I can understand that and stuff. But it was super cool that you did that. Yeah, I'm look – I've um, since I started my own learning, I got in, back into my te reo Māori mm-hmm. and tikanga. Um, so, you know, I feel like I'm still pretty pretty young in that in that area. But I, I like to use as much as I can, and it's been a big part of me growing and a big part of our program is uh, te ao Māori and, mm. and tikanga and sharing those values and principles that te ao Māori has. And just to our audience, all right, the, the te ao Māori is about uh, everything living and not living. And everything in the universe is all interlinked fundamentally, right? Pretty much, yeah. There's a whole lot of systems and we're all interconnected. And so, you know, if, if parts of one system aren't working, it affects the other parts. And so um, just speaking about that, I'm uh, Ngāti Tufaritō <laughs> and Ngāti Mutunga. So um, those are my iwi. You know, that's uh, usually as Māori, we, we ask, uh, where are you from? <laughs> so so there you go, Tufaritō and Ngāti Mutunga. So Pleasure to be here. Oh, awesome. Um, let, let's take a bit of a step back. Um, and, you know, anyone that knows you or knows you a couple of years ago, would have, you know, professional firefighter, PR local, grew up on the beach. We've seen it quite a lot from a lot of the guests in the last few months about the West Auckland. I'm seeing, I'm getting quite a few West Auckland, Mirawai, PR local, Bethel's locals, right, yourself, Dave Wood, and a few other guests. And I've always had this, this view of how, People that grow up around the water have such a different opinion and view of the world. And before we get into your your story and everything else, I know you've grown up on a surfboard. Your son has grown up on surfboard, been a professional um, surfer and stuff. What's your view about a person that grows up around the beach and how they feel to nature compared to someone that grows up in suburbia? Oh, it's miles apart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually wasn't brought up at Piha or mm. on the beach. I was brought up in the middle of the North Island mm. in a little place called Waikeria where my father was a prison officer. Mm. So I spent the first part of my um, childhood in, um, in Waikeria and then my parents shifted to Australia and I started surfing when I was about 16. So up until that point, I played a lot of rugby and, you know, every kid that pl- starts playing rugby at five years old wants yeah. to be an All Black. So that was my dream. And that was the direction that I always kind of had myself heading in. 
I at primary school I saw a, a a magazine with a guy at Pipeline and I looked at it and I thought I've got to do that you know I really something inside me just connected mm-hmm. with with that photo and I was lucky enough when I moved to Australia to um, to get a board and to get myself down to the beach I saved up got a secondhand board and it was like it was one of the best things that I've ever done it's given me so much it saved me surfing mm-hmm. and to have that connection now I can. Speak on behalf of my son because he was brought up at yep. Piha and at the beach. And for him, he needed that. He needed that release of his energy and he needed somewhere to put all of that energy mm. that he had. So he was a pretty active uh, young fella and surfing in a lot of ways saved him as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it nowadays, you know, back when I was younger, I had to surf all the time. Like I didn't care. Like I'd put anything off and I'd, you know, I'd walk to the beach and I'd do anything I could to surf. Nowadays, you know, um, yeah, and I wanted to be as good as I could possibly mm-hmm. could. Hey, everyone, sorry for the interruption. Just a quick shout out from our sponsors. My name is Kenyon Clark, and I'm the founder of the Duval Group. We are a large scale property developer, and alongside our property development business, we also have our gym business based in Manico and with new locations opening soon. We're passionate about serving our community, and we do that through the Duval Foundation. And I hope that we are able to be a voice of encouragement and inspiration for a whole new generation of entrepreneurs. Let's get back to the show. But nowadays, like, this, <laughs> just walking down the beach is, is, is a, sometimes that's the best part of my surf. Yeah. And it's pretty spiritual. And, you know, you're connecting with all your fellow surfers and connecting with the ocean and getting to some amazing spots around mm-hmm. the world. I can't say enough good things about surfing. It's uh, and obviously with the popularity of it now, um, you know a lot of people who probably wouldn't have surfed in the past are, mm-hmm. are taking it up. So I think we're truly blessed to have surfing in our lives. It's good for our well-being. You know, when you're out there, obviously you're just thinking about being out yeah. there. So it's got a got a whole lot of really cool benefits. Yeah, I've spoken about this before in previous episodes, and uh, you know I grew up. I grew up in the around the beach as a life got back in South Africa many, many, yet many years ago and, and a lot more smaller than I am now, right? And I still appreciate uh, the West Coast beaches in um, Auckland, New Zealand, the roughness of it and their true nature. But I've got this whole view that when you find yourself in Mother Nature, whether it's people that grow up at the beach or people that are growing up in the bush and you've been humbled by that, right? As any surfer, bodyboarder, even if you open a water swim, is once you've been humbled by Mother Nature, you've got a different appreciation to it, right? You can understand the uh, the the power and the control. And that's why I always have this uh, this view that anyone that's finding themselves around that situation, so they whether it's late in life at 16, they've picked up surfing their ass, the understanding of the world is totally different. Mm. Yeah, the appreciation of the world is totally different. And there's they've always got this link back to to nature and to the earth. And a lot of what they're doing is back to that, is giving back and is helping out. And it's almost like this weird sense of like if we could take a lot of the stress and the anxiety and the problems we have in the world and take all the people that suffer from them and go, cool, we're going to stick you on the beach for three months, not in Bali. We're going <laughs> to stick you on the you know West Coast of beaches and you're going to go and surf and you're going to be part of that community for three months and we're going to take you out and put you back in the world. A society would be so different. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And you are connected with nature. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking at the weather maps and we're seeing what's going on. We see a big storm down in the South Island. We know in a couple of days it's going to be at our front doorstep. You know, and it even gets to the extent where if a big swell comes up the West Coast, you know, Fiji could be good in mm-hmm. a couple of days. So 
I do feel as a surfer we're connected with nature and and yeah it is a, it, a we're actually truly blessed to have that and have that as part of our lives and you know it keeps you fit mm. and you're out there surfing and it's fun and it doesn't feel like you're going to the gym or you're yep. working out even though I encourage that um but you know just getting out there and getting moving is um yeah we're truly lucky to have that in our lives I love it I yeah. love it so much Awesome. So let's go back um, 2020 around there, right? 20 year five firefighter or close to 20 years in the fire um, in that in that line, uh, and you pretty much turned around and went from one side of the extreme to the other side, right? Talk me through that whole situation and how that triggered off. Yeah. Well, look, at the time I was going through some personal mm-hmm. issues myself, and um, I had a marriage breakup uh, about 10 years ago. And that was pretty difficult, you know, and from the outside looking in, it looked like I was doing well, but mm. but internally I was kind of falling apart and a lot of my relationships were falling apart. I was lucky enough to do a job share, so I was traveling around the world. Mm-hmm. So essentially I was running from my problems mm. and um, I was a heavy drinker. I used to drown my sorrows. I couldn't really communicate how I was feeling. I'd go away for three months Um and, you know, I'd see my son, go to a few surf comps with him, support him, and then go on a bit of a bender, mm. come back to New Zealand, straight back on the trucks, 12 hour, you know, 24-hour mm. shifts, and back into that pretty stressful environment mm. and not getting a lot of sleep, still drinking heavily. And in 2020, you know, with uh, COVID and, and the shutdown of the world, essentially, uh, I couldn't run anymore. Yeah. And so I was confronted with myself and – you know, because I couldn't deal with my emotions or how I was feeling, I just drowned them, mm-hmm. you know. And in the fire service, uh, which, by the way, it's been an amazing part of my life, and I learned some amazing things there. But, you know, even during that period uh, when we'd have real traumatic incidents, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to talk about it, and I wouldn't talk about it, you know. And I'd just put it to the back of my head and try and forget about it. And when you do that, sooner or later you run out of room. Yeah. And so I got to a point in 2020 where there was nowhere to run and I essentially, I hit rock bottom and I got pretty dark and yeah, in that, in that moment where I couldn't run anymore and things were falling, falling down around Mm me, uh, I had a vision of my son and as a three-year-old holding onto my ponamu and and telling me that he loved me. And Mm -hmm. in that moment, I knew that I had to take responsibility for this stuff. You know, I couldn't run anymore. I knew that no one was coming mm-hmm. to rescue me, to save me, and that I'd created a, a really negative uh, reality for myself. Mm-hmm. And I knew that just like I'd created a negative one, I could create a positive one, but I had to take responsibility of it, drop all the resentment, the blame, all the stuff that was hounding me for years over time. I'd build up these patterns of behavior, these thought patterns, mm-hmm. And I had to, I had to break it all down. And yeah, in that moment, I decided like I knew in the back of my head what was causing all of this, and it mm. was the heavy drinking. And I'd been, I'd come from a pretty, you know, binge culture mm. uh, family, drinks a lot, and I'd always just just drown my sorrows. Yep. And I'd worked in the film industry in the past, so you know, uh, I just knew in the back of my head I had to stop because mm. it wasn't serving me. And so I just thought, okay, I'll do one day. Um, I did one day, I'll do two days, mm-hmm. I'll do three days, I did one week, two weeks. And when you stop drinking, it's really confronting. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're by your sober yeah. self now. Yeah. 
you know, there's nowhere to There's hide. no bravado. No, no, the- no, and you're not going down to the same places you were yeah. frequently going or – when you're when you're drinking like I was, uh, it, it consumes your thoughts, mm-hmm. it consumes your money, you know, it consumes your energy, and so all of a sudden I had a bit of energy. I had a lot of time, mm-hmm. and it was confronting as hell. You know, it was really it was really difficult. So I knew that I couldn't just sit there and dwell. Mm-hmm. So I started learning, and I started learning about holistic health. I started learning about self development, mm-hmm. meditation. I started learning about te ao Māori, um, my tikanga, um, uh, te reo Māori. Mm-hmm. And slowly I started feeling a bit better. I got into like holistic health, looking at nutrition, hydration, breathing, you know, all this really cool stuff. Where are your thoughts? Yeah. And I started elevating everything. And honestly, within about three months, I noticed some changes. Mm-hmm. It was tough. You know, I, I censored everything that was coming into my mind and I censored everything that was coming out of my mouth. And I started listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. podcasts like yours, mm-hmm. and and they saved me. I listened to people's stories, how they'd overcome adversity and and built themselves back up. And at the time, it was really hard to 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 listen to it. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of the times, because um, I used to listen to them on the way to work, yep. and a lot of the times they'd say things like, "You're you're right where you need to be," you know. And that's tough when you're really struggling. struggling. Yeah. yeah. So I'd drive to work, and you know, I'd cry. I'd cry because I was, um, it was really, it was a really tough time, but within, within myself, I could feel myself changing and I mm. could feel what they were saying. I used to listen to Jay Shetty a lot yeah. and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I just noticed a few little things were starting to brighten up for me and it happened fairly fast. I got to a certain point after three months where mm. I went, okay. I'm learning about all the self-development. I'm learning about all these different values and principles. And, you know, I went out under the full moon and mm-hmm. said, guide me. You know, I believe in a higher power, you know, spirituality. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to be guided to, to a better life. And I decided, okay, I'll surrender to all of these principles. Mm-hmm. Let's see what you got. Let's see where this takes me. Let's see if you're telling the truth. And, um, you know, a couple of years down the track, I can say it worked for me. It's an interesting why that people go on, right? Yeah. One thing I want to go in, it's so true when you talk about when you step away from um, alcohol when you st- or you take any sort of consumption or addiction, right, all of a sudden you have this realisation of how much more you have than you thought, right, how much time you got, how much energy you got. Um, sometimes, of course, so problematically, how much more time you got to think, right, and then think about what you've done and all the rest of it. You know, I think back to uh, my times that I went, I went, so I went five years sober in my twenties because I'd find myself at the end of a bottle almost on a daily basis uh, in my very early twenties, um, and I know vividly to the, I know vividly the exact moment I realised that I was consuming alcohol too much. Um, and it had control of me um, in a sense of I was having a breakfast with my family at a restaurant and they came and asked me at 7 a.m. or 7.38 a.m. They said, okay, what does everyone to drink? And it was a orange juice and orange juice, a coffee, and me was double vodka neat on the rocks <laughs> at 7.30 in the morning. And I remember that vividly going, that, you know, that's fine, you can laugh. I've got no issue with it. You could totally, look, there's nothing wrong. I can remember going, that's not normal. Right, yeah. oranges, oranges, coffee, and I'm sitting there wanting to drink. Um, uh, and then yeah, working through it. And it's so true what you said about all of a sudden then is time, 
and his thoughts and then there's a realisation and, and then, yeah, money, um, the, all the rest of it, but having to work through. And then the the challenge you people find themselves in is all of a sudden you get more of what you didn't realise you had is what you do with that more, mm. right? So so a lot of people come out and see it and then it's like if you don't give yourself the inspiration, the motivation or feed yourself that good stuff, you're going to see all of this and you might not like it. And that's why you find people come out the other side of trying to give up the booze or give up the alcohol, give up whatever their addiction is, right? Any forms of, uh, you know, sex, prostitution, all that sort of stuff. And they come out almost clean and go, oh, I actually don't like this version of myself. Mm. I don't like what this clean is, but didn't realize that's the middle ground. There's still something further, right? And you said that how you were feeding yourself with the good stuff. Some of us, unfortunately, don't have that opportunity. Mm. Now you're doing the podcast, listen to Jay Shetty. I know you're big Jay Shetty. Um, a person, right? And then all of a sudden, you you can you you see the the wheels turning, and then you can go, oh, okay, that's where I'm going. That's not who I am. This is not where I am now, but that's where I want to get to, right? Mm. And then slowly moving towards that. Yeah, and I think you hit it on the head too. The thoughts, mm-hmm. the thoughts are so important, and they're a big part of our program. You know, elevate the thoughts, and you know, there's this thing about positive thinking, and and you know, uh, we most of our thoughts are negative. Yep. And it's taking control of that. And so for me, you know, this positive thinking, for me, it's more about uh, minimizing complaining, Mm -hmm. minimizing criticism, judgment, you know, all of those low-level emotions that that you have and that you take part in. And trying to see the good in people and see the good in in situations. And to me, that's that's what positive thinking is more about. Um, It's not about just being... Happy, happy, happy all the time because hey, let's face it, that that's unsustainable. Yep, I, I, I try to look here with all the sun. You know, like I say, with all the with all the sun, you can't appreciate the other things, right? You mm. got to have the you got to have the good and the bad, um, but you got to be able to be taught how to uh, take the negative with the positive, right? Yeah. And that reinforces a lot of that sort of, uh, sort of stuff as we go through our lives. Mm. So talk me about the the brand that you stood up. Um, I'm not going to try and butcher the name again and apologize for that. Um, the the brand you stood up and where that started. And I know you originally started with like taking kids, city kids out into the wild. I don't want to say wild. It's going out into the bush and trying to get them more centered and back to Mother Earth. Talk me through that initial stages of that. Yeah, well, look, about six months into this, mm. I was feeling amazing. Mm-hmm. And I had I was getting mentoring myself. Yep. And my mentor asked me, you know, like, what is it that you truly want out of life? You know, where's mm. that direction? Like you talk about where are you headed? Who's the person that you want to become? And through my own study, because I found that study and learning mm. was something that I hadn't done a lot of. And it's so hugely important to keep growing yep. and to get out of that comfort zone. And I found through through his help was uh, to be of service and to help mm. people is probably one of the best things that we could possibly do like yourself, you know, mm-hmm. putting out these good messages and helping people because there's someone out there is listening to your podcast and yep. probably in, in a position like I was and you're changing lives. So there's no better feeling than that. So I decided that I was going to resign from my job. Mm-hmm. I had a coaching program that that I had tucked away, but I had I, I had a vision of uh, giving back to the, to the rangatahi mm-hmm. because I'd looked at my whakapapa and I'd seen some really, you know, some – pretty uh, hard things happened to my family in mm-hmm. the past, you know, with colonization. Yep. And and so I decided that I'd spent my life being resentful a lot of the time, uh, 
been angry, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't going to take part in that anymore. I've, I've done done with that, you know. And so I decided that what I'd do is I'd uplift and inspire the rangatahi and I'd start there. Mm-hmm. Like I have a massive vision and this is just the start of it. Yep. And how am I going to do that? So I started doing, you know, workshops, learning about starting mm-hmm. um, a business, if you like, and taking it like that because, you know, um, I had to, like you just said, brand and, and all this stuff. So I've, I've, I've learned a lot along the way. Mm. And I decided that Te Kaiarahi was going to be my vehicle to get a start mm. and I was going to give back to the rangatahi. When I put my resignation in, you know, like everyone was like, wow, what, what are you doing? Are you okay? You know, and at the fire service, I left on really good grounds. Mm-hmm. And, um, but they were really concerned for me. A lot of people were. My family was like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Why are you giving up this job secure, you know? And I could have done another 30 years, 20 years in there. But I wanted to give back, and I knew that uh, by resigning, I'd give my, myself no option. Mm-hmm. There was no fallback or anything. I was going to make this work, and and I needed that. And what I did is I used social media as marketing, and I started putting these videos out of me walking in the bush, talking mm-hmm. about goal setting, yep. creating a vision, talking about giving back to the rangatahi, and I put all this stuff out, and that was quite big for me to do that. You know, I come in, come from a small community, yep. and it was way out of left field. You know, I've gone from being down the RSA one moment, mm-hmm. and next thing I'm walking around in the bush holding this camera, saying, "You know, your imagination is one of the uh, one of the best tools you can have." Mm-hmm. You know, and so my family and friends were they were concerned, and they said, "Look, how can you help?" And that came from a place of love and care, yeah. and. I thought about, you know, what are my strengths? You know, instead of just focusing on the object, uh, on the, on the um, obstacles, mm-hmm. what are my strengths? What, what, are, what, what can I do? And I put it down to like, my strengths are, I live at Piha. Yeah. That's a huge one. That's a huge one. You know, I'm, I'm right by um, the Nahere, the bush, and then right by the coast. So that was huge. I was the manager of the New Zealand Junior Surf Team, mm-hmm. so I've worked with Flangatahi. So there's another strength. You know, obviously my my time in the fire service, that's another strength. Leadership roles and all that um, ha- has helped me in a, in a big way. And then my biggest strength of all is I'm Māori mm-hmm. and my te ao Māori and my tikanga and my te reo Māori. And so I, I'm not an expert, but like, you know, manakitanga, whanaungatanga and kotahitanga, they all have an underlying theme of unity, yeah. love, understanding, looking after each other, working together for a common goal. So Te Kaiara, he came to life and um, I veer off a little bit, but sorry. Keep going. <laughs> um, Dave yep. actually saw one of my videos mm-hmm. and, you know, he said, look, come up. I, I like what you're doing. There was some concern around the village, you know, what's going on with <laughs> this guy? And so Dave invited me up and he said, look, what are you, what's going on? I told him what I was doing, my vision, I said that I've been using this goal setting um, program mm-hmm. and this formula and it had yep. been really helping me. I shared it with him and he liked it and he shared it with some of his athletes. Mm-hmm. And then about a couple of weeks later, he said, look, I'm going to, I want to start these calm under pressure workshops. I'm running a prototype. I want you to come have a cut of care. Um, welcome everyone. Mm-hmm. And then do your goal setting presentation. So I did that. That was the first calm under pressure, and it, it was nerve-wracking. <laughs> and so, you know, it's for Sports New Zealand. Um, you know, I looked around the people coming in. Uh, Hamish Carter was yeah. there, and, and, you know, like it was quite daunting. 
but I got through that. Uh, I used social media to to put my yep. message out there. And then about a week later, I got a call from Hoani Waititi, mm-hmm. the principal, called me in, had a meeting with all of the kaiako, and then they agreed, yeah, we're going to send some rangatahi to you. So about three and a half months after I resigned, I had my first group of rangatahi. Awesome. Mm. How was that feeling? It was amazing. It was daunting as yeah. well, you know. Petrified? Eh? Scared? Petrified? Yep. Yeah, all of that, all of that stuff, all of that stuff. And I've had to overcome that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, Dave talks about embracing the stress. Yes. And so I've but, had. But Dave's a different human being, right? A human. Dave's a different human being, right? <laughs> he is, he is. And I've been terrified. And I've yeah. been terrified um, multiple times, you know, doing presentations, getting up, going to meetings and, and talking to people. And, you know, it's been um, something that I haven't done a lot of. Yeah. But. I've invested in myself and I've done workshops around communication, around presenting, and I'm learning. Mm. And I want to develop the skill of communicating and storytelling. And it's something that I'm really interested in, something that I'm I love. Yeah. It's it's so tr- you know, when you said about freaking out and you're scared and I, I teach my, my my daughter as well sometimes with her sport and stuff that they get overwhelmed in that. And I and I sit down and say to them, if you're worried or you're scared of that, it shows that you actually care. We forget our body works in weird ways if we're paying attention to it. So by being scared, it's not a caveman being scared. It's actually that we're scared of making a mistake or scared of actually doing something wrong because we actually care about what we are actually doing. Mm. As much as a teenager is going to turn around and go, I don't really care, right? And getting that all, yeah. all of those sort of issues. But as as we get older and realize that, is that if you go on stage, like, um, you know, I do keynotes and be, um, I've had the privilege to be able to do a few of those over the last few years or do events. And if I ever meet someone, they go, oh, no, I, I, I don't get stressed or, you know, I don't worry and that sort of stuff, I, I call BS on it because mm. either A, they don't really care because if you care, you're always going to have that small portion and you feed off that energy, right? And mm. it's just the tools that you've got to learn to go, okay, it, it's consuming me. How do I now just control it to actually use it as positive energy, right? Yeah. And that's, I think, also – uh, something really true in the Calm Under Pressure workshops, a lot of what you what you guys yourself and Dave does, um, and I always spoke about it when Dave was on the show, there's that famous video of when, obviously with Izzy, one of the first ones they came out, and he was, uh, I don't know if you might have actually been there, and it was down at the beach when the, they had to go under the water for as long as possible till you couldn't breathe anymore and then step up and be calm. And I, I remember saying, I think I remember coming out of the water, I would go like, I'm going to fucking die, <laughs> right? And Izzy stood up and his mouth didn't open and he was as calm as can be, but mm. to- but totally stressed, body stressed and everything and taking the control, you know, with yourself and uh, as you guys going through all that, it's the learning. Yeah. Don't get rid of the stress. No. Learn how to handle it, right? Yeah. And it, yeah, it's like anything, even with the dangers that are out at Pihar yeah. and along the coast, you learn about them. How can you keep yourself mm. safe? And and the more you learn, the better you come with, uh, the better you are at dealing with those risks. Um, yeah, it's uh, the, I, because um, what is, what is the major fear of getting up and talking in front of people? And it, you're right, it's the fear of failing, it's the mm-hmm. fear of looking stupid, it's the fear of being uh, misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, I've made peace with the fact that a lot of people are going to misunderstand me, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, it's okay as long as uh, you know there's one person out there that I might connect with and help. Then I just focus on that. And um, 
yeah, if I take myself out of the equation too, because it's quite egotistical, like you're <laughs> you're worried about yourself, yeah. you know, that you're going to look stupid. Um, but I'm I'm willing to put myself out there, and you know, it's um, it's for a good cause, and I know that what I'm doing. Uh, I believe in, and you know, yeah. If, if if I've got to get up there and, and look like a, a fool occasionally, then then I'm going to do it. <laughs> so so I just want to touch base on. So obviously, a lot of the workshops you do, you do a lot of it with the youth, right? You do it with the, the Maori youth and coming out and that. And we've seen um, in society at the moment, we've got obviously big challenges in New Zealand, specifically in uh, teenagers and around mental health and all those other problems, right? What do you see? I'd love to know you, what you've seen with some of the youth that you're working on, the challenges that they are coming to you with. Like as an open, like when you've got a group of youth that are around you, what are you seeing in our society that you'd be that you're more you might be accustomed to it now? Done a hand, done quite a few workshops, yeah. but in the beginning, what was the sort of stuff going? Holy crap! Why is a thirteen-year-old, twelve-year-old, a fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old? Why is that a, a worry or problem? You know, there was. It, that that shouldn't exist. Like sometimes there's such we're in a society now that our kids are sometimes over worried or overstimulated or over problemized. Like they should just be kids. Where they shouldn't have these challenges. What is the sort of stuff that you see across yeah. the youth? Well, it's interesting because you know working with Woody as well with the calm under pressure, we're getting a big range of people. Yeah. And it's not just the kids. Yeah. It's it's everyone. Yeah. We live in a in a world where there's unprecedented stress. Mm-hmm. It's pretty tough out there and there's so many different levels to it. You know, what we're eating, mm-hmm. not getting enough sleep, not breathing properly, you know, dehydrated, not thinking mm-hmm. not thinking well, you know, we need to raise the thoughts, not getting enough exercise. So there's a whole range of different problems. There's a lot of levels to it. And mm-hmm. the look the, the main thing that I do when the kids come to me is just try and build some trust. Mm-hmm. I want to build some trust and I want to try and, you know, I want to try and get them to question some of their thought patterns and try and elevate them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of them, and I know this was a problem for myself, direction. What, what Where am I headed? And that's a big ask for a young person. Um, I work with a lot of uh, high achievers mm-hmm. and I work with a lot of um, kids that are, have got some major challenges ahead. Um, they all love getting into nature. Mm-hmm. They all love stripping it back. You can't take your cell phone out for a swim. Yeah. You know, when we're in the waves and, and uh, they're, they're swimming or surfing or they're on the boogie boards, they're in the moment. Mm. You know, we can stop the noise for a little bit. Yeah. A big uh, One of the things that – that they we ha- we we hand out a, a questionnaire after they come and and one of the big uh, the, the feedback we get the most is they love the breath work mm-hmm. and it's crazy because when I first suggest it they look at me like wow what but, is this guy on about yeah. you know people again we yeah spoke with Dave when he was on the show um, I've had, also had another friend Gareth Edwards is a um, high performance breathing coach been around for many many years as well people don't understand I've I've been lucky in my family that we are nasal breathers mm. and it's something I've been pretty proud of because a lot of people are mouth breathers who see in society and there's all the literature on how to shift your jaw and, you know, you would be well aware around the difference between nasal and mouth breathing. People don't realise how that simple change, you know, it's not like, okay, go run 10Ks a day, you're going to be a healthy person, but just fundamentally breathing nasally, the difference drastic difference you can do in your day-to-day life compared to mouth breathing and all the rest of it is so vast. But it is such such a weird thing. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to make you eat this random fruit that no one's ever known about, and it's that's, how, that's what they look at it, right? Mm. And you tell them, they're like, what the fuck, I'm going to do that. Mm. It's like, it sounds stupid. Mm. And then they go through it and they go, oh, 
Okay, cool. No, it's not stupid anymore. Now I'm going to tell the next person, right? It's such a weird way around that breathing stuff. And it's hopefully becoming more mainstream, which we are seeing. Mm. But hopefully it's adapted more as well in people's day-to-day lives. Um, I mean, the sports stars, obviously, going back to Izzy, uh, two, which was 283, whichever one it was, that he did the whole fight with his mouth closed. Mm. You know, People can't understand how can you go 25 minutes with not opening your mouth fundamentally because he just breathed, controlled it right. Yeah, uh, and you know, having someone like Israel who does it, and and you know, he he he's a champion of it. It's a big push for the kids. Mm-hmm. They see that they see Kaikara doing it. They see all of those guys doing it, and they want to do it. And it's yeah. a big part of what gets them into it from from when they come to me, and they're mm-hmm. kind of like looking at me. And I think we've we've kind of lost our way quite a lot, quite uh, in a quite a big way, where. I'm the one, they're looking at me like I'm kind of a little bit fruity because I'm telling them to do this. But actually, this is thousands and thousands of years old. Mm -hmm. And for me, the biggest benefit is controlling the mind Mm -hmm. and resting it a little bit and just, you know, and that's tough. That's tough to quieten the mind. And, and, you know, we're getting all these thoughts coming in. And when when I share the breath uh, exercises with the the rangatahi, Mm -hmm. some of them, some of them say I've never felt like that before. And you know, it's there's there's a difference between doing it. Let's say we did it in this room here, mm-hmm. or we went out to a waterfall and did yeah. it under the water next to a waterfall, or we did it on the beach lying in the black sand after a swim. You know, you're going to really feel that, and and they they connect and they know what it's about. And it's been, uh, yeah, it's I've been extremely lucky uh, on this path. Mm-hmm. Some really fortunate things have happened, and the more I've opened up, the more that people have come to me as well and helped me. And you know. Uh, at the start there, people were looking at me like, um, you know, well, is he okay? <laughs> and Dave was the one that really um, understood me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's been just an absolute pleasure working with him. Yeah, it's amazing. You're doing, you're doing some amazing work out there and, you know, anyone else that can um, find your art um, out there, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. One more question I just want to – I'm going to ask you, Art, and this one's going to go down a bit of a – this could be – a bit of a bomb to throw it out. I'm, I'm real interested because I know you, you spoke about your own challenges growing up and having that whole, obviously you've been Maori um, in New Zealand, there's that whole colonization component to it and a bit of the, you know, and the story behind that. Obviously I'm South African. I grew up on the other side of that coin. Mm. Um, I've seen that whole control. What are you still seeing? Are you still seeing these challenges in our youth today in the in the in the Maori community that there's still a bit of those challenges? I know growing up as a kid, because I grew up on the other side of the coin, I had and I had a very strong opinion till I actually learned how things work in the world and doesn't matter who or what or how you look and you function, it's all coming together, right? Are we still seeing it in our youth today? Unfortunately, there's a bit of that growing up with still their challenges of colonization stuff that's happened over, you know, a hundred years ago or furthest apologies for the wrong timing that they're growing up and still having a, a challenge with the community because they're not like them or see like them or are perceived like them. I think there are, there's some, there's some massive challenges out there and, for me, you know, I need to be that difference and, and make that change in mm-hmm. myself. You know, my destiny wasn't to be a pisshead. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't that wasn't on the cards for me, and it's up to me to change that. And so, to leave that identity behind and to create a new one. And so, I wanna I wanna stand up and and give these young people, these rangatahi, something to look at and say, mm-hmm. hey, I want to aspire to that. Yep. 
you know, all of my nephews, I want them to know that you can change. Mm -hmm. You know, it's never too late to change. You know, we don't need to be uh, addicted to all this external stuff. And actually, as Māori, we're already uh, we're already miles ahead in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. So we've got a lot of strengths, and I just wanna I just wanna see you know more Māori role models mm -hmm. step up and change. And if we can get a, enough of us to change then we can influence the, the rangatahi coming through and showing them a new yep. way. Because, uh, look, and you know, like I'm not sitting here pointing the finger at anyone, mm. but it, it, it's a mess. Yeah. It's okay. a real mess. I, I, I totally is. Like I said, is I grew up in it and I can understand it and everything else. I, I, obviously, I was on the other side. Mm. But, it, yeah, I, I look back at the society in South Africa and it's still a mess now. And, you know, I don't think there's ever a way out of how – um, rule and control that from, you know, th that will ever change in society. And that's a problem because we've got youth growing up, right? And we've got a community growing up there and, yeah, that still utilise that in the wrong way and shouldn't be and it should be uh, and they should be looking at what makes me me, what makes my tribe my tribe and use that in power not to be, um, you know, against something else. Yeah. Yeah, we just gotta we just gotta give them some hope. And so the thing for myself is I can't focus on all that stuff because mm -hmm. it's way too overwhelming. Yeah. The problem's huge. And it's not my pro just my problem, it's not just your problem. It's all of yeah. our problem. And we've all got to do something. So you, you know, you might be sitting there thinking, what can I do? Well, we can out start by elevating our thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, start by seeing the good in people. It's just that easy. Just elevate everything around. And the example you show, they're looking. Mm. They're looking at us to, for that example. You know, so I can only be the change in the world that, you know, that the change I want to see, mm. I have to be it. So I want to come from a place of love, understanding, and compassion. I've done resentment. I've mm. done anger, you know, blaming everyone, you know. And, hey, just because I work in the space with Dave and the stuff that I do, I'm not immune to any mm. of it. And this stuff is a lifetime of discovery. Yep. You know, I don't, I'm not sitting here saying that I've got all the answers. I can only do what I can do. And I want to have a positive impact in the world. And uh, I've got a clear, definite plan, a vision. And every day I'm going to do a few things to get there. And being on this podcast today is a step in that direction. Awesome. Um, as we get in sort of to the end of the today's show and everything, uh, is there anything else you want to leave our audience with a sort of a thought or a vision or sort of a direction for themselves to take home with? Yeah, look, I just want to say, you know, if you are out there and you are struggling, mm -hmm. you know, you can change. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are, that are doing it tough, you know, and it's about changing those thought patterns and, and we do a, a gratefulness practice. And even if you have to strip it right back to I'm grateful for this breath, mm. if your world's that hard and you, you have to go right back to the, the hierarchy of everything, which is the breath, then do that. Then do that. And I want to challenge you and say if you can do that, then you can think as well. Mm. And if you can think, you can elevate your thoughts and you can get out of that situation. And I know that you can because I've done it. I know that it's not that easy, but – I thought I needed a whole lot of external stuff to make me feel good mm -hmm. and to get me to a certain place, but uh, it was the internal work. And I never really understood that for a long time. You know, what is the internal work? Um, but, you know, you can go deep inside yourself and 
you know, a lot of the things that I encourage you, you know, all of us can do it. Yeah. Like raising the thoughts, like the breath work, hydration, nutrition, all of the stuff getting out into nature, being part of a community. We're supposed to be part of a community. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. I know this from the workshops I do with Dave, that people are isolated. So if you are the isolated, if you can get around some people, if you can, you know, mm -hmm. it's, um, that's how we were made. We were, we were made to be in a community, but if you are struggling, I just say, you know, take a breath and, you know, if I can, if I can change, I think anyone can. So yeah, I just want to send that message out there. Yeah, it's amazing. And thank you so much uh, for sharing your message today. And I'm hoping from the audience that's listening or watching, they can take something from it and, and that resonates to them. So where can we, the last things, where can people find you? How, how can they reach out to you? Uh, we've got a, a website, yeah. .co.nz, um, or we're on Instagram and you can find us there, send us a message. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're, uh, we're getting a lot of messages and there's a lot of people out there and we want to get it to a point where we can run some free workshops, mm -hmm. you know, where we can get, cause I'm getting a lot of messages from a lot of people saying, Hey, my nephew, or, mm -hmm. or I know this kid that would benefit from coming out. And at the moment we're building and we're just trying to um, get to a place where we can put on a workshop, mm. you know, every now and then for these kids that, that really don't have the support around them yep. and just, just get them out to us. And yeah. That's something interesting. I've got a group of people that look to try and help community by being willing to um, donate money. So let's have a little chat off air yeah. uh, about that. And maybe uh, my community can help your community to put on a, a free event for the youth that's needing it. That would be amazing. So, I'd love that. I appreciate that. Yeah, because we've got I've, I've, my group at the moment is a bit itchy looking for something. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking for something that's true and respectful and stuff. And I would love to put this forward as an, as an option. Yeah, that would be amazing. And, yeah, I mean, look, we're trying to build, build this. We, mm -hmm. We're building a team and we're getting good people around us and we've got um, you know, some really amazing people that are involved yep. and I want to say thank you to them. And, you know, like there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are helping as well. And that's just been amazing. So it hasn't just all been me mm -hmm. and I want to build this so that, that we have a culture that yep. where people love coming to work and, you know, having a positive impact on the world. And yeah, I want to build something really beautiful and, um, yeah, head, head in this direction of this big vision mm -hmm. and, you know, the sky's the limit. Awesome. Thanks so much, um, Jamal, for that. And, you know, to everyone else, um, thanks again for coming over to the Wolf of Queen Street podcast. I hope there's something from today's show that resonates with yourself, for yourself, or for someone else. As I say at the end of the show, I don't care about, you know, saying like or subscribe to my show. I care about you taking something away that can make you a different, uh, uh, a different and better person, or someone else that you know that could take something away from it, especially from what the message is about today, about finding what is important to yourself what is true to yourself and your community and your tribe. Um, and just going out there and, you know, let's just make a better world. We live in a society at the moment that's just too much noise, too much shit. We need to make a difference. But we can do it all by just actually caring about each other and just moving forward. But as always, thanks for coming over to the Wolf of Queen Street podcast and hope to see you again.